Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and welcome back to Second Vision. How many times have you found yourself giving and giving in a situation or family crisis or maybe in a relationship until there's no more to give? My guest today is Jody Prouse, author of The Sun is Gone, and her book is a riveting memoir about the halting decline of her quest to save her alcoholic brother, almost to a fault. Uh, Jody will tell you that it almost ruined her marriage and, and disrupted her life tremendously. Jody is the embattled women's champion. Uh, we're going to talk about today about how women are often really meant to be the peacemakers and the problem solvers and take on so much responsibility in codependent relationships and, and how we can break away from these and why it's important to do so, and especially to set yourself free from the people who are at the heart of the trauma. So I'm really delighted to have Jody with us today. Again, her best-selling Amazon book is The Sun is Gone, and welcome, Jody. How are you today? I'm really good. Thanks so much. I'm grateful to be here with you. Yes, well, me too. So tell us your story, I mean, how you got to this point and and um, what happened in your family relationships? You know, um, sometimes I look back and think, I don't know how I got here. You know, I thought we were a regular, average, everyday family. You know, we had, I had a little brother and a little sister and parents, and um, but we had alcoholism in our family. Our, our father was an alcoholic, and, um, you know, my, my mother and him got divorced when I was nine, um, and then we moved on to a beautiful childhood with a stepfather and, and couldn't be more loving and stable and, and all the things you want out of life um, as little children. But I think some damage was done in those early years. Uh, we have alcoholism on so many branches of our family tree, um, our grandfather and our uncle and um, our great uncle and um I've been around alcoholism, you know, my whole life, but nothing shook my world more than when my beloved um, younger brother um, became addicted to alcohol. Mm, and how old was he when he did? Well, you know, when you don't see the signs at first, and right. when he was when he was 28 years old, um, you know, there wasn't some big blazing sign that went, okay, you're um, your brother's life is going to go downhill. And, you know, he didn't see that either. But I saw some personality changes. Uh, he wasn't coming around. He was my closest friend. Um, because of our childhood, we were really, really close. He was four years younger than I was. Um, but he wasn't coming around. He was missing some of our family functions, which he would never do. And he would started drinking and driving. And, and so I, I was concerned then. Um, and so I talked to him about it, and and then it, it progressively got worse. But, you know, when you can step back now and look at the whole story, um, there were signs when he was a teenager. I mean, he, he was very, very shy and anxious, and he had trouble expressing his, his feelings. And, um, and I think now uh, he started drinking with you know, a lot of young people do, and because it it takes that away for a while, it makes you more comfortable in crowds, and and sure. um, you know, so and the temporary high. Kind of, <laughs> Once you go up, exactly. you always have to come down. 
Oh, exactly. And and no one ever thinks, you know, um, hey, I'm going to have a few drinks in high school and I'm going to party. I mean, look how innocent that is. No one ever thinks for themselves or for their family member that they're going to get into such trouble and, and develop an addiction. Right. Right. Yeah, I have a friend who's very involved with AA, and I guess it's been years since he's been drinking. But, you know, he said, you know, the, the worst mistakes that he ever made in his life were made because he was blacked out or, you know, just couldn't remember a thing. And, um, you know, if he could take any of those times back, he would. But he's very, very much involved in the program and helping other people, which is wonderful, you know. Um, and you yeah, talk I, about I in your book, to too, be. that... Yeah, that, that that you said it wasn't actually um, positive for you to go to support groups with your brother, right? Yeah, and I think what, what I meant is um, finding that line of what is support versus what is enabling. You know, I thought I had it under control. I I took a different thing out of childhood, right? I don't drink um, I did decide when I was six years old, I didn't want alcohol to be a part of my life. I, I, you know, the fighting and the, the divorce and the yelling and all that to me just, just came, came from alcohol, right? So I, I thought I had a clear understanding until I go through this for, you know, I had went through it at that time before I was starting to change for, you know, six years of dealing with severe, severe alcoholism with my brother, um, every minute of every day was consumed with helping him. And I do realize now that a lot of the things I was doing was was enabling, where at the time I thought it was support. You know, love gets in the way of the decisions we make. And sometimes... Now, give us an example of what you considered enabling uh, rather than just being supportive, because I think many people cross-connect those two, and they're, they're confused. Yeah, well, you know, I had a clear definition of I'm not, not going to give him money. I would never pay his rent. I'm not going to phone in sick for him. You know, he's a grown adult man. I'm not going to make excuses for him. And, and I do want to say some of that was going on in our family. I was never doing those things. That was my clear definition. That's enabling to me, right? So what I was doing is when he would go off to rehab, I would clean his house and and make it meticulous. And I did this on a number of occasions. And I went to all of his meetings with him. And, um, you know, I made some appointments for him. And and in my mind, it's like, this is loving support. Um, and, And when he... Kept losing some of his jobs. I went so far as I paid his therapy um, sessions. Um, again, that was support. That was support. Now looking back and when I see um, everything that I was doing, I think I was taking more control over his life than allowing him to take control. You know, when, when you come back and your house, your house is all clean and it's spotless and there's a mint on your pillow... <laughs> I did that. Um, yeah. Welcome home. They don't really see the consequence and and how bad things really are. And you know, I I for one always say, listen, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a psychiatrist and a psychologist and a doctor. 
um, that I do still think we can learn from each other in these stories, but ultimately you as a family member going and talking to some of these professionals so they can help you draw that healthy boundary. Um, I, right. I think you mentioned that too, that it's so important to get uh, counseling and outside support. It, it is, and you're, you're so, well, you're not the one that's sick, you, you're, but your loved one is sick, and so you don't think you need help. You know, people ask me, you know, did you go to Al-Anon? Al-Anon? I didn't need Al-Anon. I, I have this under control until everything came and I finally realized, oh, my gosh, I'm not in, in control at all. Um, you know, I did sacrifice the well-being of my husband and my children and, and my own health. And so I really believe all the key people in, in, this, in your own story, you all need some sort of help to understand. We're all lost. We, we, none of us know what to do. You know, you have the person addicted and, and they're getting help and they're going to rehab or they're going to therapy or they're going to AA meetings, but we don't know what we're doing either. And, and I think what we do matters. It, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make us to blame or any of those things, but I think it certainly can have an effect on the outcome. Definitely. And, you know, this is across the board for so many different uh, problems, too, because, you know, what I had said to you in my email about Second Vision and how your story sort of resonated with um, with my philosophy, and that is that, you know, many of us have this vision of our life and what it's going to look like, and it very often doesn't turn out that way. And and sometimes it's better than we thought, and some, and some days it's not, but... You know, it could be a failed marriage. It could be a child raising a child with a disability. It could be a good friend who has a mental illness who won't get, you know, attention uh, or the right care. It could be alcoholism. It could be sexual abuse. I mean, the list goes on and on. And there's there's a long list of ways to, you know, give too much or enable someone, as you say. You know, and I, can you better define codependency for those who don't really know what it's like and haven't read books on it and experienced it? Yeah, well, and I'm one of those people. I had no idea that, you know, I, I thought I was in a healthy place. And then you do learn, um, I just, I was so tired and I felt like I had failed everybody. And you find out for codependency, you know, it really is, a dysfunctional relationship that's very one-sided. Um, and, I, and I'm not just speaking of my relationship with my brother. Um, many of my family members, this is the relationship I have, right? Um, you're a people pleaser, and you have poor boundaries, and um, you sacrifice your own needs to help other people, and you're a caretaker. Um, from the time I was a little girl... Um, I was made to feel responsible for my little brother. I mean, since I was six years old. And that I think it without, they didn't, my parents didn't come and say to me, you know, you need to look after him. But I was made to feel it. And I took that to the extreme for the rest of my life. And mm. um, that is what I've had to break free from. You know, uh, unfortunately, 
my brother lost his battle with alcohol addiction in March of 2012. And so I have had to continue working on myself and, and to work through not only the grief of losing someone you love, but a real feeling of failure because I had felt responsible for him, you know, for, for more than 30 years. Of course, of course. And and what about, did you feel guilty then when you had, you know, walked away from him toward the end? or? When I first had to, um, I set my healthy boundary. I started getting healthy and I got help for myself in 2006. And so he passed away in 2012. So for that five years, I set a healthy boundary where, you know, I, I wouldn't see him unless he was sober. I wouldn't see him unless he was working on his recovery. And unfortunately, that meant I saw him probably less than a handful of times in those five years. So um, to some members of my family, that meant I had deserted him and I was um, abandoning my family. But, you know, I always say, just because some members believe that, it doesn't make it true. I didn't abandon him. I. I, um, at the time, it was the hardest decision of my whole life to have to, you know, say goodbye to him. I knew I wouldn't see him very often. Um, but Heartbreaking, I just, I'm sure. I just knew in my heart I was doing the right thing. I was doing what was best for me, my children, but ultimately what was also best for him, um, for him to finally, you know, have to get help for himself, and and um, I say at the end of my book, you know, I'm still filled with so many emotions, of course, that grief and loss, and and I miss him tremendously, and regret, and wish I had done some things different, not just for him, but but for me and for my family. But I don't carry any guilt. I, I do know in my heart, um, it is the one thing. I always knew that if the worst happened, that I the only option I ever gave him was the option of sobriety and recovery. Um, and and I believe... And that's sometimes that all you can do is to... You know, and I remember a, someone that I knew when I was very young growing up, and both her parents um, happened to be alcoholics. And, you know, I watched the um, the demise of, you know of both of them and at one point she had to just walk away from her father which was so sad it was just a heartbreak you know but that that she had done everything she could you know and i guess that's what they were telling her to do so that's what you're saying in this situation you know when it when you give and give and give and there's no more to give and you can't do any more the only thing you do can do is step back and and let someone gain control over their own life if they can you know and if they and can't, it, it sounds like you did everything you could, you know. And that's where, you know, the enabling, it, it, we are told, you know, some people will never get well. That is, that is the sad reality, right? But if you continue to enable, we almost guarantee that they never will. And I did really, really believe that. And, right. you know, I, I feel society as a whole even looks down at some of us family members for that story, like even you just said about about your friend, like how could you not talk to your parents or 
Right. I will tell you, my relationship with my own parents um, was broken because of this journey, and, and we are estranged as well. I mean, this this is very hard on everybody, and um, it rips families apart. But I feel so much for, you know, the the husband or the wife that must decide to get a divorce and and take away children from one of the parents when someone's not getting well. But right. those are painful, painful realities to, to have to live with. But, um, you know, those are, are things that do happen in some of our lives. And uh, Definitely. You know, you know it's just... Um... It, it resonates so much because it's across the board. You know, as I said, it's not just alcoholism. It's it's someone, you know, with an addiction or a mental disorder who won't get help or um, some sort of a, a terrible addictive personality, you know. And it just, you know, you talk about family secrets and how they're, they're at the core of the problem often. You know, can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, you know... Um... First, we hide in shame. Let the the reality is shame. That's ten, it. Shame is such a huge yeah. factor. One in ten people, if they're addicted, only go for help because they're a fear, the fear of being shamed and stigmatized. I mean, that's sad in itself. But even well, that's the same family, thing with mental illness. People are shamed yeah. by it. It's still in today's society when it's so common. You know. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's like having a broken bone or something if you have a, you know, a a mental disorder. And that's why it's so important for all of us to talk about this addiction and mental illness. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even the family, the family hides in shame. First, people are worried they're going to judge us. They're worried that they're going to judge the one we love. And, you know, I always say that I think one of the key things in to really change this world is starting to talk openly and honestly with our children when they're really young. Absolutely. To to talk about this so that they do grow up believing it is a disease. And, you know, coming from the background where I did, where we watched many of our relatives with alcoholism, um, we are getting the wrong lessons. And we're getting, sometimes these become our lessons of normal and our lessons of right and not our lessons of wrong. And, you know, I, I've had people say, well, didn't your brother know? I mean, he watched some of these family members. And, yeah, he did. And as little children, that just becomes what you do. Um, you don't always take those lessons as negatives. And so if, if your parents um, started talking to you, it doesn't mean we don't love grandpa. It just means grandpa is sick, and and you're not hiding these things from children. But what right. you're doing by, by not talking is you're allowing our little brains, our two-year-old brain, our three-year-old, four-year-old brain, to analyze what it means. And um, you know, and yet I, I society, think that, society has, still has such a stigma against these things. You know, so that's that's something that has to be really talked about to children when they're growing up, you know, so that they can be, um, you know, so that they're not hiding in their secrets or their shame, and they can still discuss things, but understand that society may still have a different view of it, you know? Yeah. Yes, and I think 
you know, we are part of a changing world where people are speaking a bit more. And you know what I say, because you get stigmatized and judged even when you go to a hospital. You know, we we say it's a disease, and the law yeah. says it's a disease, and science proves it's a disease. But no, it isn't treated like that, you know, in the media and on TV when, you know, some late night talk show hosts are making fun of it um, right. and and go to the hospital and it's not treated like it's a disease. And, and in our own families, it isn't often treated like it's a disease. And, you know, I, I just say if we start talking to our little children, they can grow up, they can be such, they can be better journalists, they can be better doctors. They can be better nurses. They can be better friends. Oh, yeah. Because everybody has something in their family or in their life. That's that's what I said earlier about second vision. You know, we all have this picture of this perfect picture of the way we think the journey is going to be. And all along the way, we get challenges and diseases and conditions or, you know, people who suffer from things and we don't know how to handle them. And um, And it's important to know, you know, how much, how... When to step away, as you say. You know what I mean? When to help and when yeah. to step away. Yeah. Yes, and you and said it dramatically affected your marriage. I mean, do you want to talk about that for a moment? Yeah. I, you know, um, this wasn't just, okay, my brother needed some help. Or you're, you're going to help your loved one, of course, and you should. And, and, of course, everyone is going to do that. This journey, though, was 12 years. and. Every, what propelled me at the time was every minute of every day, um, for certainly until I set that healthy boundary, um, was my brother's going to die. And so that's all I could think of. And it, it just, it consumes me, right? And, and luckily my marriage was absolutely rock solid during this, um, because I left, I, I, I neglected my husband and my children and, and. I, I let my children see some things that they never should have seen that can affect their mental health when they're adults. Um, and I have apologized to my sons and to my husband and, and, you know, through my therapy and my learning who I am and why. And, and, and so they forgive me for that. Um, you know, this, I think I wrote my story in a way, and it's perfect that you say all these other things that can happen in life, you know, my story, it is about addiction, but it is so much bigger than that because it is about any sort of family crisis or, or anything that happens that happens in your life. And It um, is, you know, really. It's about having control, yeah, not being shamed over secrets or when and when not to enable a friend or a partner, you know, uh, to a fault. And, and it's about giving too much. It's about women, as you say, always being the peacemakers and problem solvers and having this heavy responsibility of being the givers and the caretakers when, you know, sometimes that's, that's not healthy, it's very unhealthy, you know. And I, you sound like you're a wonderful, wonderful gal, and you did everything in your power to help your brother and help the situation, but you can't lose yourself in the process, you know. Yeah, and I, and I was lost for a very long time, and... and and for women um, and others that you should n- never feel guilty for having to, or and, and wanting to live your own life and, and having to break free from that. 
no one can make those decisions for you. That That is such a personal decision on how long should I stay, how much should I do, um, and other people shouldn't judge you for that. And and I and I really I really hope I can give peace to those people that have to make those um very hard and heartbreaking choices. I mean most people in this world they don't have to ever do that. They don't have to choose, you know, one family member over the other. They don't have to, you know, finally decide I need to get a divorce. Um it's hard. Very hard, and it sounds like you're doing great, though. And how is the book doing? The book is doing really well. I'm so proud that um, instantly it went number one in my three categories on Amazon. So it's in alcoholism. Yeah. And and let's tell our listeners again, and and also, is any of it on audio or Kindle or iBooks for our visually impaired listeners? Yeah, it is available on Amazon. So it's on Amazon.com. And it is available in Kindle edition. Um, Great. And I do want to say, you know, 50% of all my author profits are being donated to mental illness and addiction yes, programs. Yes, I read that, and I just wanted to commend you on that. I was going to mention it before we close the show. I think that's utterly fantastic. And you're giving workshops now, right, on how to help other people? And Yeah, I've started speaking more, and I just really want to encourage others to tell their story. Others that are really, you know, um, ashamed of what's going on, but also others that have lost someone that they love. Um, Of course, of course. And telling your story and embracing it, you know, as as we talked about in our our email exchange, you know, acceptance is really the first key factor in any situation, you know, to, to get over the hump and get over, get on the other side of the wall. You know, without it, you're you're stuck in denial, you know. You're stuck, and you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, to to learn and to accept that will bring the healing, and you know that brings the healing. About, it does, and and I am very proud um, to have been my brother's sister. And if if we didn't get our happy ending, but if this can can help another family, um, you know that what a beautiful way yeah. to honor him. Yeah, that's that's the part where you said, you know, it's not how I thought my life would work out, but mm-hmm. I accept that, and and it does, and it makes me extremely happy, and it's helped with my with my healing and my grief. I'm sure, and I'm sure you're also doubly grateful on a daily basis because of the losses and the things that you've encountered. You know, it it uh, it puts you in a different mindset on the planet, you know, about appreciating certain things. And I can just tell that from your story and, and how you're helping other people. So bless you. It's wonderful. Thank you. So and you as do, well. Do you have a website you. that – oh, thank you. Do you have a website that we can send people to be, before we um, we close the show? Absolutely. So I'd love to hear from, from any of your listeners. So it's jodyprouse.com, J-O-D-E-E. P-R-O-U-S-E dot com. Beautiful. Great. And the name of the book is The Sun is Gone. And why don't you tell them the subtitle, Lost in Shame. And uh... Yeah, it's uh, The Sun is Gone, A Sister Lost in Secrets, Shame, and Addiction, and How I Broke Free. 
Uh, it sounds like a wonderful book. So I'm looking forward to reading it, and I love your story, and I, I doubly commend you for getting out there and being so honest and open and embracing it because that's the key to everything in life, really. If we were all that way, nobody would have secrets or shame. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very, very yeah. important, and, and talking is very important. Talking, talking and having the right important. kind of support is very important. Yeah. 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 Very much well, so. thank you, Jody. It's been an absolute delight having you on the show today. And for all our listeners, I hope you check out Jody Prouse's book, The Sun Is Gone. It's a riveting memoir about her story and her struggle to save her wonderful brother. And she's giving half of the proceeds to um, some great charities. So you've been listening to Kristen McDonald with Second Vision. And remember, there's always support out there. And embracing something can really help you turn things around in a great way, and change your life for the better. God bless, and thanks for listening.